Hello, this is Patrick, and it's time for Real Herbalism Radio. Real herbs, real life, real easy. Brought to you by thepracticalherbalist.com and sponsored by Mountain Rose Herbs, your source for high-quality, organic, bulk herbs, gourmet spices, loose-leaf teas, essential oils, herbal extracts, and natural body care ingredients. Visit them at mountainroseherbs.com. Flower essences offer a world of healing for beginning or experienced herbalists. They work on an energetic level to transform miasm or miscreated energy patterns. Today we're going to dive into the world of flower essence healing with master flower essence creator, formulator, and practitioner, Patty Leahy. Now here are your hosts, Candace Hunter and Sue Sierra Lupe. I'm Candace Hunter. And I'm Sue Sierra Lupe. And welcome, welcome to, to Real Herbalism Radio. Patty, welcome back to the studio. We're so glad to have you today. Well, thank you for having me return. This is a pleasure. <laughs> and I'm Aww. super excited about diving into some actual practical work with flower essences. You were the inspiration. I've got like three that I've made for myself through the years from connecting with the plants, and it was because of you. You were, I know you didn't know that, but you were the inspiration <laughs> for me to say, you know, I can do this. I can actually do this. I didn't so. know that. You were a closet flower essence user. Huh? <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Me and my boy, he's, he is also a closet flower essence user. <laughs> Although well, the that's, closet's now open. <laughs> <no>. <laughs> well, that's a great place to start, you know. Um, it's not something that we need to actually shout out to everyone else that, hey, I'm doing this thing. Mm-hmm. And it works on such a subtle le- level yeah. that um, most people wouldn't be aware that you're using any kind of treatment initially. um, Down the road, though, they're going to, if they look back, they'll see that, wow, there's a lot of really powerful things changing in your life. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely helped me get through some pretty sticky times in life. It's nice because, you know, I make my water jug and put a few drops of the flower essence in there and nobody knows. (laughs) Yes, that's what's nice, too. You can take it anywhere in in whatever you're drinking, and everybody carries a water bottle nowadays, so there's nothing odd about that. Just a few drops. It doesn't make everything taste all funky. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, Just uh, like five to ten drops in a uh, 16-ounce bottle of water, and you're not going to taste anything Mm -hmm. different about it. So you're changing energies? What is that? I am. um, Flower essence are... uh, They are the liquid product of capturing the vibration of the flower, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. of whatever plant that you're making the essence from. Um, It's not... It's not a tincture. Mm-hmm. It's Even not I a keep tea. Keep calling it that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no. Um, yeah, there's there's really um, hopefully very little of the actual plant material itself involved in the bottle of the essence um, because that is the goal is to um, using the sun and a bowl of water uh, to transfer just that vibration, that energy mm-hmm. of the flower into the water. Hmm. And then um, mine I preserve with, uh, usually with a little bit of brandy. Mm-hmm. But uh, there are some people who, uh, for whatever reasons, either choose to not uh, take even that small amount of alcohol or they can't. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and so I can preserve it in vinegar. Mm-hmm. 
it doesn't preserve for as long in the vinegar, but it's just as effective. Right. Mm -hmm. So when you're trying to figure out, as a, as a raw beginner, how do you figure out which flower essences to use? How do you how do you pick that? Well, in the beginning, I went and I got the biggest, fattest book describing uh, what each flower might mean. But even that, it didn't have every flower, of course. I mean, there right. is no one book on the planet that lists every flower. Um, and so in the beginning, it was quite time-consuming for me to read through all these different descriptions and try and actually pinpoint uh, for my own personal use a, a specific diagnosis mm -hmm. of what it was I was wanting to change, especially since flower essences work on a uh, subconscious level most of the time and they uh, and they work on that energy level which we're not really uh, aware of most of the time in ourselves we might be able to pinpoint some of our emotions mm -hmm. but there's a lot of fine-tuned programming going on in there that we don't even think about I'm, so um, so I was doing that. I was spending a great deal of time poring over these books, and I think I was actually even getting negatively influenced by mm. these descriptions that mm. I was reading of what these flowers were going to fix for me. Right. Because <laughs> uh, it just goes on and on and on and on, um, uh, giving you negative words. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I, I've been kind of energy sensitive, and I've always noticed about myself that I get attracted to um, impulses that are vibrating out of other things, you know, whether it be rocks or flowers or food mm -hmm. and um, or people, mm -hmm. <laughs> other people, you know, there's always, we, we notice that we're attracted to want to go stand next to one person compared to somebody else. And sure. that's our, that's our vibration body speaking to us. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Um, and it, uh, that same vibration body can speak to us in the flower essences. And I, I use a pendulum nowadays. Um, and if I don't have a pendulum, I use some other method of what's called kinesiology. And kinesiology is a very... Um, there's lots of different methods and ways to uh, use it to determine things. A lot of naturopaths use it um, to give out uh, different medicines. Um, they use it to determine if people have allergies to different things or um, what their emotional state might be when they maybe aren't able to communicate. Uh, I know that they that uh, some surgeons can communicate with their patients through kinesiology mm -hmm. when their when their um, patient is you know put under for the whatever the procedure right, is right. and so um, it's it's becoming quite common. Most people have their own practice of how they do that. And for me now, the pendulum is a really quick way to use it to uh, inform my conscious mind of oh. what my energy body uh, is choosing. Sure. Yeah. yeah, it's a nice shorthand way to get around your talking mind, right? It's yes. Like essentially... Lucky mind. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yes. Yeah. Because yeah, I can outthink myself really quickly. <laughs> <laughs> so as a beginner starting out, you've got your you're armed with your book and your pendulum, and you're standing in front of a, a like a display of flower essences. How do you how do you figure it out? I mean, what would your first advice be 
you know, seek out a practitioner? <laughs> um, yes, that would be my first advice. It's if, um, if you're wanting to use flower essences, that you might want to get some advice from someone who has some experience with it. Um, the most popular and well-known flower essence is Dr. Bach's Rescue Remedy. Yeah. And that one is pretty safe to use for everything. That one was one that when my son was about four years old, he fell and conked his head really bad on the corner of a grandfather clock. Ouch. And so we had this big dent, and it was, you know, bleeding, and it was the kind of thing that my husband, who has plenty of childhood scars, said, oh, that's three stitches. And I said, no, it's not. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to take him in. We're going to use herbs. We're going to do this. <laughs> and, you know, sure enough, I packed it with the herbs and did all of that stuff. But I used Rescue Remedy to help my son just relax and mm-hmm. calm down. And he just sat with me. And I could feel, as he even with the first sip, I could just feel him beginning to relax. And his energy just stilled. And sure enough, the, you know, heavy bleeding was down within 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. And he just relaxed. And it healed up really nicely. And. Rescue Remedy has been a go-to one for us. I've used it on our cats before when they got hurt. Oh, yeah. And then I had an egg-bound chicken. I mean, mostly I was just getting her, laying her down and putting a lavender poultice on her her vent, but getting her to to the point where she was willing to lay in my arms. That's not their natural idea of fun. (laughs) It was a little rescue remedy. It helped her calm enough that it could get her to the place where we could heal her. And you have your own version of rescue remedy. I do. Um, I, I mostly now enjoy and try to work with the 69 individual flower essences that I have myself produced. Wow, that's a lot. Which is a lot. And then I, yeah, and then I have about 12 um, different formulas that we have, that I have over the years, um, they kind of cover basic um, circumstances that people seem to uh, commonly come up with Mm -hmm. or suffer from. Yeah, that, that hits back to that whole miasm the idea of recreating patterns, mis- miscreated and, re- and recreated energetic Yes, patterning. that's miasm, right. Yeah. Which is what? Uh, no, it's uh, miasm. Miasm, my, is, my not yours. Not, <laughs> well, what is it? Tell me what this crazy uh, thing A miasm is. is a bundle of um, energetic programming or patterning uh, that... It is within our human operating system. Uh-huh. Um, they can reside either mentally, emotionally, or physically. Um, they are sometimes the instructions that create disease within our body, mm-hmm. um, or depression, or PTSD. They're they're the patterning that keeps keeps flowing through us. And some miasms sit in our body for our whole lifetime, and even skip us, and might. Um, through our DNA be passed on to our children and our grandchildren and may not even show up in mm. in somebody's physical condition for a couple of generations. And then the conditions are right and the, the energy starts expressing itself. Through behaviors? Uh, could be through behaviors. Well, diseases... Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we uh, energetically we're really pretty quite complicated, and there's a gazillion places in our body that that uh, can store energy. Every single cell mm-hmm. is within itself, you know, contains billions of patterings. Mm-hmm. Every energy cell makers. has yeah. its yeah. own 
it has its yeah it has its own programming um, in order to accomplish what it does in our body. We have skin cells, bone cells, mm-hmm. brain yeah. cells. We uh, each of those ha- yeah, yeah. has some instruction sure. to be right. doing what it does uh, so that Two we cells. can have a body. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so then we also have these miasms <laughs> mm-hmm. that um, attach themselves in various different ways in us and. Um, I know for my own self, I do experience some PTSD. I've had a number of car accidents and had some other unfortunate things in my life, traumas. But I also think that um, the the number one initial trauma that we all have is um, at, at the moments of birth. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah! Every one of us. I mean, birth is a heavy, hard thing. Yeah, yeah. we as these tiny yeah. little bodies, yeah. we put everything we have plus some into getting out here. Yeah, and then trying to survive right after is. <laughs> yes, and then surviving. <laughs> the first few days are shocking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, surviving our over exuberant relatives. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> but. Um, uh, there's like a double impact from my perspective as an energy healer that happens at birth. There's that physical activity mm-hmm. that's happening to bring us forth. But, and at that same time, there is all of this um, all of this energy and programming and patterning from our soul level that mm-hmm. is coming. And the two of them are meeting together. And that, that can be, it's you know, like, pretty cosmically violent. It's like an explosion. <laughs> it yeah. is like, yeah. yes, Suddenly it's chaos, happening. And so there's a lot of patterning that can happen in our bodies right in that moment and for the rest of our lives mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. that, uh, that create these miscreated patternings that we keep expressing usually on an unconscious level. Mm-hmm. And um, and so uh, flower essences address those specifically. And they allow, uh, you take, the, you ingest the flower essence, just a few drops of it, and it will disrupt that that expression that's happening, that flow that's happening in, in some negative uh, experience that we're having. And sometimes it will do it just briefly, mm-hmm. um, and that sometimes it's a break, a yeah. break to give us an opportunity to consciously choose to be going in a different direction. Mm-hmm. And uh, that, that to me, is the most valuable thing that they do. That is, is giving quite a us gift. Yeah. an opportunity. Yeah. Okay. Sue so is pointing. I'm she, pointing. Were pointing. we going to try? She's super excited. On the air. Were we going to try some of these on the air? Um, brought with her do you have selection? one that you're attracted to right now, Sue? Because this is a form of kinesiology. If Sue yeah. is pointing at one and she's really excited she's about so wanting this one, this magical star. could be her energy body saying, I need that vibration in me. <laughs> did, did you want to try okay, this one? Is that, I, that one? Um, Sue is looking at my formula called Up Your Worth. Up Your Worth. Up Your Worth. Awesome. And I don't remember which one you took earlier, do you? Was it attachment? I, you gave me two initially. One of them was plants. parsley. Parsley. Oh, oh those were single. Those were single flowers. Yeah. Um, I used the sixty-nine single flowers to make formulas for people that are, um, uh, you know, their personal formulas directly mm-hmm. um, cooperating with their own energy bodies, mm-hmm. and yeah. and I make them uh, by being informed by individuals energy bodies what it is that would best benefit them 
Yeah, that makes sense. So she, Patty gave me two, two um, flower essence singles at the very beginning and then gave Candace one. I got to try lilac. Lilac. And so she figured I had a lot more that needed to be fixed. That's why oh. I well, no, no, it was your energy body that did that, that, did that choosing. Oh, yeah, I got that in myself. That's yes. the wonderful thing about it is I don't have to choose. I don't have to think about it. I don't have to make uh-huh. that decision because it's your energy body that that is You're the that's telephone. informing. Right. Okay. I'm yeah. just a conduit for taking that information and acting on it by making the formula. So the little the little essence is in this little uh, half. Well, this one's a half ounce, yours. but most of yours are one ounce amber bottle with a dropper, and right. you just put a couple drops. Just yeah, try just two. Two drops in the water, a little tiny bit of water. It's like a two ounces worth of water. Yep. And then you take it like a shot, or do you just sip it? Does it matter? Whichever you want. Yeah, there's there's not all the right, restrictions no, on flower essence that there is on, like, homeo, uh, homeopathics. Yeah, homeopathics have a lot of rules, don't they? They do. They do about the, well, don't do it when you're eating, yeah. and don't drink no anything mint. this long afterwards, mm-hmm. right. and, right, don't chew any gum and things. And I don't feel that it's that way about these vibrations. I feel mm-hmm. that it's just get it in your body, and it's going to work its intelligence with your body's intelligence and there's going to be a positive response. Yeah. Right. I felt like the one that you gave me before had a taste and I don't have it. There's no taste with this one. Um, well, you have less drops this time. Oh, okay. Um, you also have more water. Oh, right. So, right. Yeah. So there's the trick. <laughs> there you guys want to try one? It's fun. Patrick's looking all nervous Come here. On. He has a hard time with the idea of vibrational energy. Well, it's, it's, an, it's an unusual... Don't put words too. in his mouth. Don't, don't put words in his mouth. Am I wrong? Am I totally wrong? Because I could be wrong. Well, no, I mean, <laughs> talking about like the ocean and you know that kind of stuff I can feel, but uh-huh. yeah. it's not sensitive enough, I guess, to feel flowers. Oh, I'm not a flower feeler. I mean, it's got to be pretty big. You know, <laughs> oh, a wave, uh, you know, things like that. Wind, you know, I can, I can get that. Right, yeah. elemental. Rock. Right. But, yeah. You know, well, uh, these flower essences are very similar to rock energy, um, and they are combined a lot. Mm-hmm. I do have a few formulas that we actually combined crystal and other stones in when we did the formulating of them. Mm-hmm. I don't have very many, though. I've... Uh, mostly up to now, been focusing yeah. on on the flowers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, what are your favorites? What are your favorite? My favorites, uh, whichever one is going to bring positive transformation <laughs> to whoever's in need and using it. That's my any, favorite. Are there any that you've noticed have been particularly popular of late? Yes, actually, all of the formulas that I have made were developed for um, existing situations for. For a person, and then we notice that oh, they're having that same problem, and they're oh, having that same yeah, problem, and nice. gee, it's like it, you know, it comes in waves. These yeah, <laughs> that's that's yeah. very true, that's and that's an true, energy yeah. situation in itself. Yeah. That yeah. it seems like an energy will come sweeping through, and all of a sudden, a bunch of people have the same. Uh, discomfort going on right, right. Right. So emotionally. Like one of the current so, energy waves by chance? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, what I did want to speak about two of them. I have attachment release and up your worth. That's the name of these two formulas. Mm-hmm. And um, there, um, a lot of us um, 
seem to make a lot of our decisions on things that on a subconscious level we may not even be aware of are making decisions for us Mm -hmm. or are slanting our decision making and that's what attachment release is for it's for uh, helping us to unhook from those things that might be influencing us that we maybe don't need in, in our lives anymore um, and uh, particularly like codependent relationships, oh, yeah. having uh, having a way to to uh, dis disattach <laughs> from um, other people's stuff, you right, know? Right. Yeah. Right. yeah. Um, but once you've done that, once you have shifted those patterns, um, there could be like an emptiness in you, or you have to re you have to you get to recreate a new pattern. Oh, and so you just get reacting to, to consciously other stuff, you're doing your own, acting yeah. out your own story instead of just reacting to someone else's story, whether real or imagined. That yes, that's right. Yeah, um, yeah. A lot of times I'll use the term "thank you" um, rather than reacting to others. I get to respond. Okay. Nice. I get to step back and think, what do I really want to do? Right, you right, know? right, right, right. Yeah. So that's what attachment release does. And then uh, for people in codependency, a lot of times they've been sort of, um, they've been giving away of themselves, giving away right. until there's, you know, there's a, there's a hollow place there. Yeah. Because they were just sort of attached to, well, I'm, I'm nothing if I'm not hooked in with you and involved right. in you energetically. Um, so I have this one called Up Your Worth. And that one is about rebuilding your own patterning. And it's vibrationally, the intention was to provide the energy to people's bodies so that they could be more directly involved in whatever it is they want to be. Nice. Yeah, those sound like, actually sound like the types of essences that I see a lot of people, you know, friends, family, people on the street... The grocery store clerk that I chat with every time I get my groceries, the kinds of energies that they need. Yes. I can see that happening in the world. Wow, and that's all connected to just miasm patterns? Um, Not not just that. I I think it's all connected to us being humans and having energy bodies. Mm -hmm. So, Sue, you tried that. How are you feeling? How are you feeling? I'm fixed. It's all done. All done. Like Good. now, ready to ascend. Can, can it work that fast, though? I mean, can it work that you take one dose and that really you're done with that one and you're on to something else? How does um, it well, it depends. If it's a trauma or a shocking experience, then you may just need one dose in order to uh, to go on, to right. recover and right. go on. Yeah. But normally, for most of us, we've been accumulating these mm-hmm. patterns a long time and we need to uh, spend doses. some time dismantling and restructuring right so more often like sue you might be needing to take that a couple more times yeah yeah okay i'm willing (laughs) (laughs) for a couple months (laughs) or in my case perhaps several years uh, slow water (laughs) and you were saying also that some of these patterns have positive ones too yeah that need to be maybe boosted or something or yes right yeah we have some positive uh, we do have some positive patterning in us um you know we are we are good people basically yeah, right. yeah. yeah so if we can support um 
you know, removing the things that might be blocking or misdirecting those mm-hmm. positive parts of ourselves, then those positive parts can come out and shine. Wow. And I do have another essence called Shine On. Shine mm-hmm. On. I love it. <laughs> and, and you also teach classes, and a lot of the information you're sharing with us, there'd be more information in these classes. Is, that, yeah. That's right. Uh, through the year, I want to teach many on introducing people and letting them experience mm-hmm. and teaching them how to use them for themselves and their family and loved ones. Mm. Nice. Okay. And we can find more information where, soon. Oh, well, thank you for asking. Uh, you can check out Patty's website, www.worldenergyhealing.com. Mark your calendars for her upcoming classes on Flower Essence Healing. You can contact her on Facebook, so she'll put you on her mailing list to notify you about other classes. Her flower essences, other herbal products, and contacts for consultation are available on her website, too. And a little side note, I just want to say that her flower essences and herbal products are also tested in a clinic. We Uh test them, so... You know, I have a lot of faith in what she what she says is true, and, and it's it's really viable, great medicine, which we're honored to serve. For our for more information, links, and resources that we mention in this program, then you can check out our show notes on realherbalismradio.com. Make sure that you sign up for our free newsletter, which brings updates on upcoming recipes, how tos, newly published ebooks, and more detailed information on topics that we discuss on this podcast. And we can publish them on practicalherbalist.com. Be sure to like us on Facebook, follow us on Pinterest, and join us in our conversations on Twitter. And thank you again for coming and speaking to us on this podcast, Patty. Yes. Really appreciate it. Well, thank you. thank you for having me. Now it's time for herbalism and homesteading news. As a home brewer, this particular article I thought was really kind of interesting. It was in Discovery News, entitled Wild Yeast Could Yield New Kinds of Beer by Charles Choi, and it was published on September 24th, 2015. And the thing I thought was really interesting about it is the idea of wild yeast being a part of brewing for the first time in, what, a century? Hmm. I mean, that's... Really? That long? It's been a long well, time. Well, there are some craft brewers out there that are trying to pull that off now. There's one in Maine, I think, they read about. But yeah. generally speaking, James is right. It's been highly a controlled um, Like industry. just one species yeah. or highly one subspecies. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Because they want to keep the strains pure from generation to generation so that there's no infiltration. Which is oh. not really the natural way. Like if you're cultivating yeast for brewing at home, you brew a batch of, let's say, Hefeweizen or Stout or whatever it is, and you take the yeast... Um, What's the name of them again at the bottom? Not the, the sludge at the bottom. Sludge. The sludge at the bottom. Mucus. Is that like their dead bodies the, or something? Yes, the spent yeast. The okay. hibernating, essentially. The hibernating yeast. Hibernating the yeast. Okay. And you put it in your thing and you start cultivating that and it'll have a slightly different flavor profile than the first batch. Like you do with sourdough bread. Exactly. Yeah. I'm with exactly. you now. So from batch to batch, your flavor profile will change somewhat. In part based on, like, if you kept making the same stout recipe over and over and over, the first bottle from, or the bottle from the first batch and the bottle from your 10th batch will taste slightly different because the yeast will be changing. It's evolving? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And part of it is when you're cultivating at home, you're not going to necessarily have the hyper sterile conditions that 
you know, Miller High Life has to work with. Okay. So you are going to get some wild yeast changes just because it's been exposed to your home environment. Right. It's got dog hair oh, and no. dust bunnies. Uh, ex- oh. ex- <laughs> ingredients that have natural yeast on them already. Okay. And then and our be, air. in our air like, has it. For instance, the Pacific Northwest is a climate with a lot of molds and yeasts and that sort of thing just in the air. Mm. So the beer you make here with, you know, the yeast you're cultivating here will be different than what you did down in, you know, Arizona, for mm-hmm. instance, which does not Dry have the and... same climate at all. Okay. Yeah. What I thought was interesting here is that um, they were talking about one of the yeasts that they did here, which was a wild yeast. And when they brewed it, it not only produced more ethanol than some of the other uh, yeasts that they were dealing with, but also had a sour flavor. And one of the cool things is if you're into Belgian lambics, they can take up to three years to develop, which makes them quite expensive because during the period of three years, nothing can go wrong. So wait, you you have to brew the beer for three well, years, you, or you're developing you're, this culture for three well, years? Well, no. When you brew the beer, uh, after you you boil it and you put everything together, there's a period of time where it's slow from fermenting. It ferments very, 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 very slowly. Slow. So for a Belgian lamb, it can take up to three years to go from out of the fermentation phase into wherever you you know the bottling or the kegging or whatever you're gonna do with it. Mm-hmm. So it can take quite a while. Which is really cool because of that, you know, that's what makes a Belgian lambic so neat. It mm-hmm. has that sour flavor. The yeast that they're talking about in this article could do a very similar uh, taste profile in five days. Mm. Yeah. So, Which is closer to what your average home brewer, home brewer is going to be doing. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. the average home brewer, when they start, has a primary fermentation that can take three to five days. Okay. Oh, wow. You know, really? Yeah. yeah. Up to two weeks, depending well, on how the primary slow fermentation your usually. Yeah, your primary start, can go okay. up to two weeks. But yeah. either way. But I mean, usually it's, it's about yeah, it's three short, or five really days. Short, yeah. As opposed to three years, that's a huge yeah. difference. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. Even if you're doing a, um, not an ale, it's the other one. Logger, logger. If you're loggering at home, that's usually like six months, right? And I know that I'm not a beer expert. I mean, I love to drink it, but you're an expert. You're very good at raising the pint. (laughs) 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 But I know for (laughs) thank you. That's and now that's out there. Your elbow is always exactly it's always like, the correct and now angle. Now it's time. Elegant. Not in the lap, mouth. La- not mouth. Not mouth. Okay. Thank you. I give you a 9.9. Thank you. Thank you. It's rarely, <laughs> rarely all over the front of me. But I, I know we did that uh, Show 20 podcast on the different types of brews from. Yeah, the herbal beer. And there was some huge differences in flavor there. And I just assumed that was all from the ingredient variety. But you're you're saying maybe more than just the ingredient, it's the yeast itself that might contribute yeah. to it. Well, absolutely, uh, all yeast has a, a flavor profile, something you're looking for when we're you know it's home brewers when we go to the brewer store and we want to get a stout yeast or an English ale yeast or we're looking for a flavor profile. Mm-hmm. And some yeasts are more aggressive than others, and some will leave a different flavor in the beer than others, and that's what you're looking for. But I think like with this one, um, the neat part about it is that they did yeast from bumblebees. And the beer had a slightly honey flavor. What mm-hmm. they did? What do you mean? They did yeast from yeah, they, bumblebees? Yeah, they did. They took. There was, yeah, part of the story was one of the yeasts in this festival that they were doing um, was extracted from uh, bees. How do you do mm-hmm. that? Like from there? Because I know bumblebees, they don't have hives. I mean, they have a place that they rest. Of well, course, I would they say have... bumblebees, but it was not bumblebees. It was honeybees. Oh, honeybees. Okay, yeah, okay, honeybees. okay. I said bumblebees. It was honeybees. All right. Um, well, bumblebees are domesticated as well for tomato harvests. 
Uh, there's a factoid for you. on bees. I don't know if they took it off bees specifically. Well, I'm sure they must they collect a bunch. They, yeah, they've seen samples on bees that yielded flavors that tasted like honey. They put out a huh. little sign in their orchard mm-hmm. that says, come in, free pollen in trade for, for yeast. Right. We'll trade for yeast. And some of the same. All the bees had to do was land and walk <laughs> down the aisle and then go. Here it is. Here's my card. I got a punch card. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, but the idea of honey qualities in beer sounds really nice. Yeah, and, and collect you know, they that. have that. Wow. Well, I'm sure what they did is all you need is a few microbes. Yeah, you don't to get it started. And then it starts to it starts to replicate. Yeah. I mean, that's the whole point with beer, right? You right. start with a, you start out with a small amount of yeast. For in our case, you, you know, a five gallon batch, and by the end of that, it's it's exploded. And you, in some beers that we brew, I mean, you can just see the beer moving. It's so aggressive that mm-hmm. there's actually current in the beer moving, and things are dropping down, and the spent yeast is going down. And they're multiplying and they're propagating, and that's what they do. Mm-hmm. So that's why at the end of the the day, when you have at the end of your fermentation, you have that bottom. I forgot the name of it. Sludge. You can take that. A lot of times there's a a tool or a a vessel called the conical fermenter, Mm. which is designed specifically for harvesting Mm. that sludge at the end of your brew so that you can propagate another round of brewing. Mm. In fact... um, Christmas gift. Yeah. Mm. Here's some beer snacks. In some breweries, you know, before all this industrialization, had a signature profile. Uh-huh. As, little, as little as 100 years ago, yeah. they, brew, you know, brews were specific to the brewery they were in. Uh, you couldn't replicate them in other areas of the country. Like, like Gestalt. Like you know? Miller uh-huh. High Life has breweries all over the place, and their beer tastes the same, whether you're in Colorado or Maine or the southern keys of Florida. It doesn't uh-huh. matter. It, it tastes the brew. same. Right. 100 years ago, they didn't do that. The beer in Florida that Miller High Life did with that particular label would have tasted different than what they would have done in Colorado huh. because they didn't have the same sterilizations. Yeah, even if they would have tried to make everything exactly the same, mm-hmm. there still would have been variances in temperature, humidity, yeah. everything that would go into the stuff that, in the air, like stuff you in the air, the yeast, that wild yeah. stuff. So that brewery would have its own uh, flavor profile, oh. which makes it really cool, but also makes it very regional and very local because mm-hmm. at the time they're not going to distribute beer in long distances right, like, you know, right. like we do now. Right. So, yeah. Now we could theoretically brew at one brewery like here in the Pacific Northwest, like Minkasi does, mm-hmm. and have it distributed as far away as I believe New York. Yeah, they're Don't they have, now. Yeah, they're, I mean, they've... They're they've, nationwide, they're for one, sure. They're one brewery right here. That's the only place you're going to get them. And if they're allowing wild yeast to be any part of their fermentation, then they're going to have a highly specific flavor profile that they'll never be able to repeat hmm. anywhere else. So, yeah, if they so, decide to go big, bigger, like a, a national brewery would be, and they say, hey, we need to build a brewery, let's say, in New York, to mm-hmm. the East Coast, that brewery, if they had the wild yeast thing, that brewery, no matter how much they tried, wouldn't be exactly the same as, mm-hmm. right. as It wouldn't here. be the West Coast version. Right, it wouldn't be the West Coast version. But, hmm. mm-hmm. yeah, that's then. I mean, now they can... Well, it's part of why Guinness... In Ireland, tastes different than Guinness here, right. in part because, you know. They've been brewing at the Dublin Gate for, you know, a few centuries. Yeah. <laughs> right, Versus, right. You know, so they yeah. have all of that equipment and things that have that natural, the yeast that's there. built into the flavorings of that beer that, that you just can't get here when we mm-hmm. get it when, we, when they brew it here. So, wow, that's so. a lot more complicated than I thought. Oh, yeah. It's really it's, fun, isn't it? It's cool. Yeah, yeah. Well, like you said, though, like you said, if you want to equate it with sourdough, 
Isn't there a company in San Francisco that mm-hmm. has an original mother that they've been using for yes. over 100 years? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and it's a know, very specific flavor. And it's a very specific flavor. And you can only get that flavor from that bakery. And that's mm-hmm. what their thing is. That's their big deal. Yeah. Because they've been keeping that that, that source. And it evolved. Material so going, that right. same flavor, you couldn't have gotten it like when they first started. It's different now than exactly. it was then. Hmm. So, so you'd have to mummify it. Resurrected in fact, 100 years later. In fact, yeah, they and have, they actually. They, they do, do have. Stuff like they have that. it uh-huh. in freeze-dry containers, and they, they, they do And do then that. every, like, uh-huh. 10 years or some other number like that, they'll they'll ditch the current batch and get well, the zombie and, version. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. Anyway, yeah, a lot going on yeast, but I thought this was kind of cool. Because yeah. It shows some new ideas in, in yeast propagation for brewing. Yeah. Herbalism 101. This is part of the show where Sue and Candace answer a listener question or teach you about an herbal definition or term covering basic to advanced herbal knowledge. If you would like the dirt on herbs, herbalism, or anything else related, you can send your question using our simple contact form at realherbalismradio.com slash herbalism101. If we choose your question for the show, we will send you a free PDF ebook, Natural Nutrition by the Practical Herbalist, currently available for $4.99 at the Practical Herbalist store. Here's Candace and Sue to discuss this show's Herbalism 101 topic. Today's question comes from Emma, and it's very simple. Emma asks, what are the top five herbs to prevent flu? Five. 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 So hard. Okay, I've got to start with your environment, tea tree and lavender. As a a hygiene. Yep, hygiene. Hygiene is a big one, which is not an herb. Number five. No, no, no. This well, doesn't count. This doesn't oh. count because this, this is count. hygiene. Okay. We're starting good with hygiene. A, we're starting with good <laughs> hygiene is number one. Okay. It's not an herb, but you can add herbals to it. The essential oils of lavender and essential oils of tea tree are really great contributors to hygiene. Yes. So you can add them to your lotions for after you wash your hands or use soaps that have them in them. Mm-hmm. You can also put them in your aromatherapy burners and just fill the air with them mm-hmm. and you can use them in your countertop sprays and bathroom sprays for yep. cleaning in and we general. have a bunch of those uh um recipes on our website mm-hmm. and your laundry spray you can add them into your laundry right. for your drying that's right absolutely yeah. so and your soap and different yeah. things like that but hygiene is a huge wipe your doorknobs you know wash Everything. your hands yeah. uh, cough into your elbow like dracula those are not herbs, but that's a big part of not getting the flu. Yes. So number two is strengthening your system. Right. And and good, good rest. And you're going to strengthen your system with? With the herbals of astragalus. Echinacea can echinacea. do it as well. But with echinacea, you need to be careful. You have 14 days on and a minimum of 14 days right. off. And the So if reason, you're taking something like a tablet like Airborne that has echinacea in it, mm-hmm. don't do it for more than two weeks in a row. Right. And it's not because it's dangerous per se. It's because you're, it ups your white blood cell count. Right. It encourages, there are different places that your body makes white blood cells. And one of the places, and this is what echinacea does, is encourages in your uh, in your thigh bone, I'll use a very common term, you know, that's connected to your knee bone. That bone is where some of the white blood cells come from, and that's what echinacea triggers. Right. So, so what will happen is that echinacea will get you started, and you'll get lots of white, white. blood cells, mm-hmm. and then your body will say, "Oh, nothing's happening, and I'm used to this, so I'm just going to go to not necessarily right. doing anything extra special." And echinacea doesn't really seem to do anything after that point. Well, yeah, that's so and if that's you give your body the rest of a minimum of two weeks. 
before you do it again. Mm-hmm. Typically, your body will react as if it's the first time it's seen echinacea and say, oh, my God, let's do the white blood cell thing again. Yeah. So you don't you don't need yeah. to have an extraordinarily high most of us don't need to have extraordinary high level of white blood cells. Right. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and if you're going in for a blood test or something, please uh, keep away from echinacea for a couple of weeks to allow your white blood cell count to regulate. Otherwise, yeah. when you get your, your blood test, then they'll think, look at all that white blood cells. She must be, he or she must be battling some kind of bacterial or uh, viral infection. Right. Exactly. On the other hand, if you choose astragalus as your route for mm-hmm. taking care of your system and preparing, right, then you're looking at an herb you take every single day, sure, all year long, and it's just a just tonic, a whole system yeah. tonic, definitely. Yeah. As uh, garlic, which is our garlic. number two herb yes. for uh, not not that these one is better than the other, but just on our list, uh, garlic is just one of those. It's great for you. Yep. Yep. You no. Know, Garlic is a good one. The elderberry also that helps strengthen your cell walls, so mm-hmm. it's harder for the germs virus to break in. Yeah, exactly. And and those those stinker little flu viruses, they'll hang out in your system, and then they'll just mm-hmm. hang around your cell and wait until the cell basically says, "Okay, well, I'm not sure you've been persistent. What are you?" And then boom, you've got you've right. got a virus replicated in your cell, and right. the elderberry flushes that virus, the flu virus out of your system. So it's, I mean, it's great because it's so full of antioxidants, right? but it is also really good for pushing the flu viruses out of your body in general, specifically. And one other thing we should mention is there are things that when you look at the literature, it'll say antiviral. And there are many different types of viruses. Yes, so there are. Like just be- lemon balm isn't necessarily what you're going to take to fight off the flu. Right. It'll help you, your but stomach it will feel prevent, better. It'll prevent some chicken pox and pox and shingles. And shingles. Right? Oh yeah, yeah mono. So, yeah, everything in that family. It's good yeah. for that specific viral family. Yeah. And elderberry is specifically for that flu virus family. Yes. Yeah. Yep. So the other, another preventative is chili peppers. Mm-hmm. If you feel like that one helps, at least I've noticed with respiratory style flus. Yes. So if you feel like you might have a little stuffiness, you're concerned, you might, you might've even been exposed to someone that had a cold or a flu, mm-hmm. pop a little chili pepper in your tea or add a little bit extra to your you know, hot sauce on your lunch, whatever. Just get that in there. Yeah. And I've noticed that that usually that will do a good job of killing off about half the time. Yeah. pepper will take it, it right out. Just your sinuses in general, it helps. Mm-hmm. Obviously, if someone's taken a spoonful of salsa and, or hot sauce and they notice the first thing, oh, everything out of the nose, yay, I got to get a tissue. You know, yeah. it, it helps yeah. drain all that crud out. So it yeah. helps in that way. As, Part as of why well. it's included in those fire cider tonic drinks. Yeah. Yep. Yes, thank you, Rosemary Gladstar. Yes. Yeah, and the other one is thyme. Yeah, yeah. I love that stuff. It's so good at killing the crud. Yeah, and that is a nice <laughs> little tea, just a thyme tea, iced yes. tea. It feels so good on the throat. It does, it and does. kids will take it, yes. yeah, a little lemon to that, you know, to put yep. some vitamin C in there. And It's a good one if you're doing a steam, too, if you're doing a steam to clear your sinuses because oh. you're concerned about that. Yeah. The elder elderflowers and thyme put together oh yeah it's nice, a little lavender Some yarrow in there. too would be nice oh, with yeah. that so i think we've exceeded five we probably Sox. have but we're gonna claim that we we just claimed five by saying astragalus elderberry garlic thyme and chili peppers those are the five that we're claiming the other ones are the part two they're like the bonus yeah <laughs> Five plus a bonus. A bonus, yes. Yeah. Extra credit. There are seven deadly 
X's. What? Oh, set up really X's, but they're seven deadly about? herbs. Really? You're, you're gonna, seven you're, deadly you're gonna herbs? Yeah. Scott Pilgrim versus the world yeah, reference. Like Scott Pilgrim versus the flu. Okay. Great. I think that would be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> we should do that. We should contact Scott Pilgrim. He'd probably go down with this. He'd be I'm like, sure. yeah, that's awesome. The seven deadly X's. <laughs> now I get it. Now I get it. The ex-boyfriends. Okay. Oh, wow. Ex-flu friends. Look for that in our next podcast. <laughs> All right. And just as a reminder to our listeners, we do have herbal folios on a number of these herbs that we talked about, like elderberry, we have one on tea tree, we have one on lavender, and chili pepper is our newest one. So check those out. Those are on Amazon, right? They are on Amazon yeah. for a very cheap price. Right, and those Lots of your, info. For your Kindle, and you can get those on for your iPad, your Android devices, your, your yeah. PC, your Mac. Just download the free app, yeah. and there you go. There you, go. you got yeah. a reader. Yeah. Thank you for listening to Real Herbalism Radio. Your hosts have been Candace Hunter and Sue Sierra Lupe. To find more information and recipes from today's show or to leave a comment or suggestion, visit us online at realherbalismradio.com. If you're feeling social, you can also find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash thepracticalherbalist. Don't forget to look up our ebooks and herbal folios at amazon.com. Use the search terms practical herbalist. This show has been sponsored by Mountain Rose Herbs, purveyors of high-quality organic bulk herbs, gourmet spices, loose-leaf teas, essential oils, herbal extracts, and natural body care ingredients. You can visit them at mountainroseherbs.com. If you'd like to sponsor Real Herbalism Radio, just contact us through our website at realherbalismradio.com slash contact. Until next time, this is Patrick with Real Herbalism Radio and The Practical Herbalist.